and welcome to the DS Book Club, a weekly podcast where we talk about some Dungeons and Dragons and how we can fit it into our role-playing campaigns. Mm. With me, as ever, is Fiona, our overlord, our mistress of horror, our mm. awesome leader. <laughs> I just went Fiona. I was like, ooh, there's an R at the end of my name now. Fiona. I like it. I like it. It feels very goth, very metal. Yeah. You're queen of darkness. I'll take that. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How are you doing, my friend? How are you doing, Hamilton? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, done some nice uh, demon slayering today. Mm. I'm having a nice time. How about you, Queen of Horror? <laughs> I sit on my throne of bones. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I imagine. More skulls for the skull throne. <laughs> uh, yeah, doing very well, thank you. It's a busy time in general, but in, it's good busy because I'm also doing creative stuff and basically been filling out a lot of applications to do actual plays later on in the year, which is exciting. Ooh. I may be at a Gen Con this year, which is Ooh. very exciting. I have to be like realistic in the sense of like, can I make it? But then all these things keep happening. I'm like, it sounds like I can go to Gen Con. So that's exciting. So yeah, so it's all, it's all go. America, here you come. First, Iowa. Next, Gen Con. Then the world. <laughs> the yeah, world. exactly. <laughs> and I've been doing some um, with our friends at Realms and with RP Geeks. They've been mm. doing lots of Blood on the Clock Tower, which is like the social deduction game. And let me tell you, I've never been so stressed, but then write about something. It blows me away every time. Like we've managed to find like demons on other teams, all that nice. sort of thing. You can note down like who's who on like a pad or something like that. And 90% of my guesses have always been right. And that's never been the case. I've always been like, get the person wrong. This time I'm like, well, if they say who they say they are, and this, 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 and this, it might mean that this person is it. And then I'll be like, yeah, it's that person. And they go, you were right. You're doing the like deduction pie to seeing the matrix sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel very much like I'm in my mind palace and I get yeah. so shocked. But then when I'm evil, my heart rate goes through the roof because I then have to lie and remember that I've lied to certain people. The last time I pretended to be someone who could gain information. And then people kept coming to me on different days saying, so what was your information on the first day? And I was like, I didn't write it down, what I said. And I just bluffed. And everyone said, yeah, you were so confident. We just went for you. And I was like, nobody listened to me. So I highly recommend checking out Blood on the Clock Tower. And certainly the RP Geeks will be doing lots of streams of them every month, essentially. Yeah, I really, I would like to join in. And also, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it looks like a lot of fun. So yeah, if you like your social deduction games, if you like your werewolf and mafia, it's the same, but it just means that everyone has a bit of information. And even if you are unceremoniously killed uh, by either the imp or the townsfolk, you can still have stuff to say and you can still vote, but you only vote once, essentially. So I quite like that. So you're not just like, well, that's me dead on the first night. Oh, okay. So you're not out and then you're, yeah, you've actually still got something to do. It's on my top list of like games to play just generally for fun as well, mm. like not for streaming, because uh, yeah. I love Werewolf a lot. It's a lot of fun. Speaking of games, <laughs> what are we talking about today? <laughs> what is our topic of choice? We're continuing our topic of choice, which was monks. Yeah. I'm very excited mm. to finish off monks, yes. finally, because we, we came to the sort of conclusion that we enjoyed the majority of the class. It yeah. just got towards the end a little bit like as if they ran out of steam a little bit, yeah. although we really liked the optional choices mm. that was given in Tasha's and the classes that we sort of looked at in the player's handbook, they were good. Like you can get some bits and pieces at it. But I think by the end you were like, I would rather just be able to pick and choose essentially, which yeah. we came to the conclusion maybe off podcast, I can't quite remember, that maybe that's what happened in like the grand reveal of everything. It's like here are all the options. If you want to create a certain type of monk, pick these class options, except you might not be able to pick this one if it clashes with this one, etc. Like particularly we talked about even at the beginning, like the freedom to adjust saving throws and proficiencies etc as well just being a way to just make your monk more unique and just customize it more mm. into like what you want which i think is such a great 
you know, it's it's something that maybe should be just generic to. And you said I think that's what they're doing for twenty twenty four D but we don't I, know. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like the way to go, doesn't it? Because I think like why can't you? I think there's a great use in having this is the best or this is the standard or this is the ultimate way or whatever you want to mm. use for playing it, but being just much more free on those sorts of elements all the way through is mm. but that's kind of what D is and that's what the community does anyway and i just yeah. think it's i think all we're doing is just reminding probably a lot of preaching to the converted yes. on it a little <laughs> bit because everyone's like yeah i let people change things all right well let's dive back in to yes. monks so we're going to look at the eight remaining subclasses that we've got here looking at sword coast adventurer's guide xanathar's guide to everything tasha's cauldron of everything bizban's treasury of dragons and the critical role i believe it's the uh, wild mountain wild Mount. it is wild mount explorer's guide to wild mount david attenborough style like <laughs> In the Dwendalian Empire. In the Kryn Dynasty. The Kryn Dynasty. <laughs> so I thought we should go in a particular order. We'll go from publishing dates. We've already done mm -hmm. the player's handbook and stuff. Makes sense. We'll start with our least favourite book, which is the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. And I said this, we've not actually really covered it that much. Hot takes. <laughs> it's just... Um, it's just dull. <laughs> it's not as good as other guys that have a point of view, I find. Yeah. It's a very watered down D&D book, is what I'd call it. Whilst at the same time very dry. Somehow watered down and dry at the same time. Yeah, some sort of like biscuit that is like yeah. gone off, per se. It's a, it's a mushy flower. <laughs> We're going to look at the way of the long death. So these are monks that are obsessed with the meanings and mechanics of dying. This was really characterised as the evil, in quotation marks, or sort of like nefarious kinds of monks, essentially. They captured creatures and prepare elaborate experiments to capture, record and understand the moment of their demise. It feels very sort of almost like Frankenstein-esque, very scientific. Very much like the troubled child. <laughs> Isn't it? It's like, do you know what I mean? It's those things that you see in like Damien movies, where at the beginning it's like the kids... Clearly, um, we need to talk about Kevin, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, start by attacking animals, don't they? And like capturing them and experimenting on animals. And you're like, that's the short road to, you know, something worse. I love that. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, you've killed all these ants with your um, magnifying glass. Yeah. And you're like, I wanted to see them burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Damien. <laughs> they have some very interesting features. So starting at level three, you have the touch of death. Your study of death allows you to extract vitality from another creature when it nears its demise. When you reduce a creature to within five feet of you to zero hit points, you gain temporary hit points equal to your wisdom modifier and your monk level to the minimum of one temporary hit mm. point. I quite like that. You're just almost like catching and ripping off a little bit of essence and then just eating it yourself or something like that. That's how I would describe the flavour of some of it. Like, mm, tasty. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Eat your life. <laughs> Then you get Hour of Reaping, moving on. <laughs> At sixth level, you gain the ability to unsettle or terrify those around you just probably by being there, to yeah, be honest. It's an action, but I just like the fact that you just constantly have it on. I think you should just have that as a bonus action. I think at least I would just for the lols, but you, mm. as an action, but your soul has been touched by the shadow of death. When you take this action, each creature within 30 feet of you that you can see must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be frightened of you until the end of your next turn. Yeah. It's very much like the Asimar 
effect, isn't it? The undead Asimar, I can't remember what they're called. The fallen, Asimar fallen. Mm. You know, they bring out their necrochromatic wings. Yes, yes. And like, they almost like a shit out of people because they yeah. look like an angel of death, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, I feel this would be fun as a bonus action, but obviously I know monks use their bonus actions quite a lot for like flurry of blows and, and yeah. all that sort of thing. But I do like the idea that it is just constantly on. Them. Maybe again, that flavour something that you're constantly unnerving. And then in combat, you just do a, a cool like blue steel kind of look, but very gothic. To make this really really stupid yeah because yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what we've done with our oops all darts yeah mr collins from pride and prejudice the movie amazing his hour of reaping is when he goes hello hello you know, this little creepy way yeah the creepy hand way he is a monk you know he's a yeah. priest you know yes. so i could see a mr collins build and he just does unsettle and terrify all those around him and so the condescension yeah quite like that if we did like period drama characters pride and prejudice and touch of death <laughs> pride and prejudice could easily be like oops all bennett's you know that's sort yes. of uh... Oops, all Collins. Is. Oh no! Oh, oh no! Because oh, you'll be so slimy, and you have to go around the ball, and like you're just all oozes. Like that could be the best sort of like antagonist. Is it's like a group of clones that are all just Collinses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and their evil intent is just to get a wife. It's a nothing. Wife. It's nothing bigger than we that. We wish for a wife. At level eleven, we've got mastery of death. So you use your familiarity with death to escape its grasp. So when you're reduced to zero hit points, you can expend one key point. No action required to have one hit point instead. Boom. I love that. It's That's such a cool... the orc ability of... Um... Yes. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but yes. I'm not fucking dying today. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a barbarian thing as well, which I think is like yes. relentless rage as well, where the first yeah. time you drop to a zero, you go to one, and then everything after that, the DC increases by five for a constitution saving throw. Yeah, I really like this Mastery of Death one because I think it's just so cool. And the fact that it doesn't have an action, so you spend that key point and then you're up ready to go on for a fight and moving and all that sort of thing. It's such a good, like, you could imagine it in that sort of big boss battle. You're the only one left. You know you need to get another round in. You're like, guys, I've got this. And then they just like, you get completely annihilated by a spell. And they're like, no, Tabitha. And Tabitha's <laughs> like, I'm up. Let's go. Nice try. It does a little like Morpheus hand gesture and then it's just like, yeah, oh yes. Punch them in the face, flurry and blows, kill Vecna. Oh yeah, kill Vecna. Step four, kill Vecna. Step five, profits. (laughs) And then finally, for the way of the long death, you have touch of the long death. Your touch can channel the energy of death into a creature. As an action, you touch one creature within five feet of you and expect one to ten key points. They must make a constitution saving throw, taking 2d10 necrotic damage per key point on a fail save, or as half as much damage on a successful one. Can you imagine that you managed to finally let, you know, that first bit of the battle, you rush up and you just like slap the head? Ten key points. 20d10 necrotic damage. But that's the thing, like, it's such a risk. Because obviously these key points we use for loads of different things. But I'm like, if you were like, we need to get in there, we need to end this. Mm. Just Good on dragons, not great on undead. That's the only problem. Mm. I wouldn't take this build into Curse of Strahd. Mm-hmm. Because you know, having 20d10 necrotic damage is not going to do anyone any favours in Curse of Strahd, is it really? Mm, it's tricky because yeah, sometimes yeah, people are resilient to it, etc. That's the only thing. I think it's on par with fire because of mm. the whole undead sphere of things mm. that don't take necrotic damage or are resistant to necrotic damage if they're not immune. Maybe then you could have it, because obviously necrotic makes sense because obviously death is the name yeah. of the subclass, but I wonder if maybe you could choose between... 
necrotic. Um, and radiant. Radiant, yeah, absolutely. It opens you up to so many more things. Because if it, nothing can't take one or the other. It, there's mm. nothing that I, that I can think of offhand where there might be a god that's immune to both radiant and necrotic damage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've mastered the art of death and the balance between the two. Mm. I feel that that could be argued to flavor-wise to be the balance of the life and death, isn't it? The yeah. passing transition. You can both inhibit and you can play death mm. in a sense you know so i feel that that would personally that would make sense to me and i would allow that yeah because like, you're thinking about like the, the touch of death that's obviously temporary hit points as well so it's not actual healing healing yeah. as well so yeah no I, I definitely see that so yeah i think that's the only thing i yeah i completely agree with you but that yeah i can imagine you using it up those 10 key points and just like dodge this that sort of <laughs> yeah dodge this <laughs> Let's move on then to Xanapal's Guide to Everything. So here, let's start with um, one I think is quite popular. I'm, I'm on the holding with bated breath because I don't know which one's next. Oh, you know the order. So I do. I'm, like... I'm so sorry. I was going to go for The Way of the Drunken Master. Yeah. Which teaches its students to move with the jerky, unpredictable movements of a drunkard. It talks about this character as sort of like a one that you would underestimate in a battle. So instantly the person I come to when I'm thinking about this is Captain Jack Sparrow. The way they're sort of jerky with their movements and yeah. actions. They easily avoid hits and stuff. They're not like a ha-ha, they're not tagging yeah. They're just constantly dodging. It's almost like a self-preservation thing. So that's what I think of when I think of like Drunken Master. I think of those wobbly movements uh, yeah. as you're walking from bit to bit. The one that it makes me think of, and this is because I'm a... I'm a, this is my deep dive Instagram like random things that Hamilton is interested in watching, which is NPC dances. Have you seen these? So it's like robotic dance moves, yes. so like doing the robot, but it's the NPC ones where it's like yeah, they move, they move their bodies back and, and they forth. do the music from Skyrim a lot of the time with it. There's a guy called Doctor Robot Mick M I K instead of Robot Nick, and he's really good at that. And if you just follow him on Instagram, you can see this sort of like constantly bouncing and your art movements are jerky because it's mm. like you're a glitching computer yeah obviously the famous drunken master forms of fighting you know that there is out there there's another guy i watch on instagram who does forms of martial arts tripping over things or different forms of martial arts answering oh. the door or different forms of mar- and he's like clearly a very talented martial artist wow but he does the like the serious ones uh, including yeah. the drunken master which is a very serious technique mm. to then like silly ones as well which are kind of <laughs> good you know like he then like does it like the jason bourne <laughs> style you know <laughs> or the like the matrix style version of kung fu and it's kind of like run up a wall to answer the door you know just it's completely like a waste of time <laughs> but yeah. it looks very cool it's this idea that basically your erratic style is concealing like what is really carefully planned executed dance of like blocks parries advances so it does feel a little bit like matrix but just even you don't yeah. know what you're about to do mm. i yeah i feel like again role play wise i'd be like someone going please just don't hit me and just like, you're just constantly dodging out the way because you're just so apt at just uh, dealing with defenses but you're quite worried yourself because you're like yeah. you're just like oh i don't want to hurt you and then like oh key points that like, you know hitting that person yeah it'd be a fun one to play and like really flavorsome on that i think they've done well with this subclass i think so too try and actually do it in a very mechanical way make it kind of work and yes. i was quite impressed by it because i was like this is an interesting choice. How are you going to do this? Mm-hmm. So you start off with bonus proficiency, which I think is a lovely thing straight off, which mm. is you get performance skill, which is, you know, straight away, well, that makes so much sense. That's what yes. you're doing. I would have also liked to have seen actually maybe the opportunity for deception uh, mm-hmm. as well in there, because, yeah. you know, but you can argue that performance and deception do overlap quite a lot. So, but that was all, mm. or just choose a charisma skill of your choice. I think either or. 
I think because yeah. sometimes like yeah because people might not be like very performative they might just be like you know they're trying to get their way through it happens in things like Wayne's World or, or and stuff like that when someone nearly gets hit by 20 different things moved out the way at the right time they never get hit by all these things yeah, that yeah, are crashing yeah. in around them mm-hmm. or the sort of Deadpoolness or something like that which they do yes. bring up in this later the luck thing but mm. I quite like the idea of it maybe being a deceptive thing so you look like you're not even performing you're just deceiving everyone in this sense of like looking yeah. like you're not even performing you're just like walking around and things just miss you you know the only thing i'd say is that because you also get proficiency in brewers supplies which we've talked about before is that yeah. it's nice to have proficiency with tools because they give you a little yeah. bit more of an additional thing the only thing i'd say just because i'm very aware of like you know people now maybe they're not they don't necessarily have a good relationship with alcohol and stuff like that yeah. i appreciate the drunken master it is flavored in this sort of way you could easily take that out and just be like anything i just, it could just be that you're super clumsy. The whole point is you're performing it, isn't it? You're yes. not even, you know, or you're Buster Keaton, aren't you? You know, yes. the, the building's on you and you've, you're in the hole where the window is when the building falls down. It's that kind of stuff, isn't it? You're literally playing the fool, as it were, constantly yeah. like falling upwards, so to speak. Yeah, failing forwards, literally. I like how it offers you the opportunity to take it as both a performative thing. You're obviously a talented master of this martial arts, or you could, as you say, play it with this, like, you're just a lucky fool who yeah. actually doesn't know what they're doing. You know, so I like that sort of flavor to it because it does allow for both things. Yeah, I agree. As you said, you, the drunken technique mm. gives you, whenever you learn how to twist and turn quickly as part of your flurry of blows. So whenever you use it, you gain the benefit of disengage action. Mm. And your walking speed increases by 10 feet, which two together makes for a very tasty sort of like move in, flurry of blows, I'm out of here and I'm all over the other side of the board. Amazing. Love it. It's so, such a good way of bringing that in. Yeah, I like the idea. It's like, and stay down. Oh, no, they're not. And then just just disengage and walk backwards. Absolutely. Yeah, I quite, yeah, I really like that as a, it really upskills that flurry of blows a lot. And already I think it's quite powerful. Then you have Tipsy Sway at level six. So you can move in sudden swaying ways. You gain the following benefits. You can leap to your feet. When you are prone, you can stand up by spending only five feet of your movement rather than half your speed, which is incredible. So you do that proper leap up, which no one else can do except a martial artist. And you're like, oh, my core hurts just by looking at you doing that. And then redirect attack. So when a creature misses you with a melee attack roll, you can spend one key point as a reaction to cause the attack to hit another creature of your choice other than the attacker you see in five feet of you. So again, if you're in a brawl, you just Mm -hmm. basically, it is just spending a thing to just suddenly duck out of the way. It goes and carries on and hits the other person that's behind you. Thinking like Jackie Chan movies as well like particularly yes. where he you know someone moves out of the way and he just and he accidentally hits someone else and he kind of looks he does the fourth wall break look to the camera like that wasn't meant to happen but i'll take it you know sort of move that sort of hits the other person you're like oh yeah i'll take that i love this one so much i really mm-hmm. love the the way they brought the thematic into it it's really yeah. good and drunkard's luck which is at 11th level you seem to get a lucky bounce at the right moment when you make an ability check an attack roll or even a saving throw and have Mm. disadvantage on the roll you can spend two key points to cancel the disadvantage for that roll now nice i think that's good i just think it could be better i think you should be Mm. able to gain advantage for two key points as well it means you can use two key points either gain advantage or to disbar disadvantage you know Mm. and it does not stack yeah, and that's what I agree. I mean. That's how I. That's the only thing I'd add. Either you cancel that disadvantage, or you gain advantage. But yeah. it is the two key points that spend, and yet you can't say spend four key points to just cancel it out. And then, uh, yeah, I definitely see that because it oh, makes yeah, sense, yeah. especially because when you think of other feats like lucky, where you can re-roll stuff as well, it gets to a point where it gets a bit tricky to sort of like, okay, so which roll goes first? You have to work out the order of where things go. Mm. 
but it does allow you to put yourself in positions of disadvantage, which I think is really mm. interesting, you know, you which kind of works with the idea and it sort of like allows you to be quite tanky. There's two points to this. One is like, yes, you're going to be moving around the board a lot. You might be finding yourselves in positions where you might be at disadvantage potentially, but mm. my thinking is you probably won't because you can disengage from anyone at any time quite regularly, which is one thing that's kind of amazing to do. Mm. But on top of that, because you're going to be moving around the board a lot, you can be very strategic about being in advantage a lot of the time because mm. you could be flanking people. You could be moving, like that's the benefit of a rogue is to always be finding the advantage. Like that's that's the whole point of being a rogue when you're being tactical. Mm -hmm. That's why I kind of feel like actually maybe just luck in the old-fashioned form of the feat where mm. it is for two key points you can re-roll a roll yeah perfect after you've seen it even like, yep. like luck and you have a number equal to your proficiency bonus or whatever like that i think would actually be the better solution mm. because it's really like yeah, there's a lot of times you could be advantage but if you could then get luck on that advantage mm. and you utilize that and maybe make it a few more key points to do that would be more beneficial because I think personally mm. you will be always constantly finding the advantage yeah, compared to I think other so. classes. Because you've got so much movement at this stage, yeah. you're just going to be just running rings around everyone else. Yeah. So you could either find yourself like pushing yourself out on your own a lot and ending up in situations which may be at disadvantage because you're, you're pushing your luck mm. a little bit. But I, I also think if you were tactical enough, you wouldn't need to. It's kind of what I'm getting at. So yeah. Yeah. And then with level 17 feet you get for this class, you get intoxicated friends you gain the ability to make an overwhelming number of attacks against a group of enemies. When you use your flurry of blows, you can make up to three additional attacks to up to a total of five, yeah. provided that each flurry of blows is targeting a different creature this turn. That's so cool. I can imagine, again, if you're being swarmed, if it's like that final boss you're getting swarmed with. That's what I love about it. That's the thing that makes it is that final sentence, because otherwise mm. you're just like, okay, you get more attacks, which... Probably should be level 20, but this makes the difference by the fact that you have to target a different creature this turn, different yeah. creature, you know, each flurry of blows, which I think is really great because it is that idea of like the classic cartoon thing is there you make cartoon characters and and like comic book characters look amazing as you put 20 30 people against one and yeah. they all take their turn don't they <laughs> you know they all stand there fight and then the other lot are just taking their turn waiting to jump in yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. about like that first scene in the new batman movie or when he's in the club i mean ugh, again another freaking ace movie very cool um, very yeah. cool movie you know it's that kind of thing and so yeah love it for that reason yeah just the idea that you're getting swarmed by the minions and then you mm. do like again a matrix style like you get the rod you yeah. swing around it and you're just punching yeah. or kicking people uh, as you make a big yeah. sweep i just so cool i think there could be a better name for it it's the only thing i'd say i think intoxicated yeah. frenzy just sounds like intoxication <laughs> i don't know but like i just think not even that i just think get rid of that and just call it like frenzy i, d I, I feel know. like frenzy makes more sense frenzied attack or something like that i don't know i don't know, I I don't know. yeah i didn't like the name not as much for the connotations because there is those but also it just i don't think it has a good ring to it it's a bit mm, i agree with that I, yeah. I don't know what else i would replace it with because obviously it is just that sudden like looseness of punching yeah. constantly or kicking constantly so frenzy makes sense but also it doesn't feel like when i'm intoxicated i have not got frenzy i want to go to sleep <laughs> so like you and i don't do this we're not we don't never get to level 17 on this one it just doesn't feel like the two terms are kind of contradictory in some respects and also it doesn't feel like actually it is a frenzy but it's not really because it's quite controlled yes and so frenzy feels very much right for barbarians you know like frenzy mm. rage and stuff like that so i would i just feel like it should be just like something along the lines of just like speed and attack and precision. So 
the next one then from Xanathar's is The Way of the Kensai. I'll be honest, I feel this is the least interesting one to me, The Way of the Kensai. All it is is that these monks, they train with their weapons relentlessly to the point where the weapons become part of the body. So instead of just using your fists to do flurry of blows, you can use your sort of Kensai weapon to do anything. And you can get as quite a few weapons. It sort of gives you that extra feature at certain levels as well. And I'm like, yeah... I get it. I, I know it's trying to emulate certain martial fighting styles and stuff like that. I just find it a bit tedious, personally, after we've had some really cool, interesting subclasses. Mm. I feel I don't know if anyone has used this particular one. Unless you put into your backstory something about the Kensai weapons being truly magical or like you, there was a connection, something to it. I just, I, For me, it just left me cold, I'll be honest. It felt a bit like we haven't got one that has weapons. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. It's just like, we need one with weapons. Can you make it? And someone went, yeah, okay, I can make it. As you said, it's like really lacking depth and sort of story behind it and narrative to it, which, you know, and as you said, maybe like, you know, think of Pact of the Blade or Eldritch mm-hmm. Knights, you know, those sorts of ones that come to mind as like better magical weapon style mm-hmm. things. Obviously, yes, those are, well, both of them are kind of warlocky in their own way, aren't they? But yeah. one of them comes from the fighter stance and it feels like you could have done, you could have added that to this by making it, not just like, oh, it's monks, but with weapon choices. It's yeah. monks, but with a really cool way of making a weapon choice. Like Blade Singer, for example, in Wizards mm. is like, oh, it's Wizards, but with Blades. But it's not as simple as like, oh, it's a wizard, but you have proficiency in Blades, which is mm. basically what this is. It's, it's you're a wizard who uses Blades in the sort of Yondu way. Mm. Yes. You know, sort of thing, which is very cool. So yeah. third level, your special martial arts training leads you to the master of the use of certain weapons. It includes instructions in the deft strokes of calligraphy or painting. You gain the following benefits. You choose two types of weapons to be your Kensai weapons, one melee and one ranged. Okay. Each of these weapons can be simple or martial that lacks both the heavy and special properties. So that leaves you with quite a lot of options out yeah, there. Yeah, pretty good. The longbow is also a valid choice, it says, for some reason, which is fine. Uh, you gain proficiency with these weapons if you don't really have it, and they act as monk weapons for you. When you reach 6th, 11th, and 17th, we'll come on to those. You choose another type of weapon, either melee or ranged, to be a Kensai weapon for you, following the criteria as above. You also get Agile Parry. When you make an unarmed strike as a part of the attack action on your turn, You, when you're holding the weapon, you can use it to defend yourself, and then you gain plus two bonus to AC, which is yeah. very much like the parry you can take as a starting yeah. thing for fighting. There's another option on that, isn't it? You can also take parry. There's like bardic flourishes that do something similar that's yeah. the end of your next turn. Exactly, yeah. Like minor shield. Yeah, I think the thing is with those other ones, though, you can roll a die and like a D8 or something. I think that's the mm. bargain one. And it's very cool because then you'd be like, oh, okay, I've rolled a seven, so I add plus seven to my armor class with the risk of like, you could also get just a one. I'd like to see this as we go up the levels that you gain higher in, I don't know, AC for that, perhaps. And maybe that's just too game breaky, but it just feels like, because this doesn't change at all. I think plus two is still pretty good, to it be good, honest. But I, I totally agree. You think maybe it could work its way up to the same as shield, because why why not? Because you are, mm. this is the whole point of it, you know? Yeah, because like, so, yeah, shield spell, that's a plus five, isn't five, it? Yeah, so yeah absolutely. Cool. I'd, I'd get us, yeah, get us up to then. And then you get Kensai's shot is basically, here's your version of this, but for your ranged weapon. Mm. And again, maybe that's your argument as well. It's like, hey, you don't get the range to benefit. You cannot take a ranged weapon, but you can make that plus two or plus four or plus five to the AC. Yeah. You know, and maybe mm. that's a way to like balance it out. Mm. But what, with this, you can use a bonus to make a range attacks with a Kensai weapon more deadly. When you do so, any target you hit with a range attack using a Kensai weapon takes an extra 1d4 damage off the weapon's type. You re- retain this benefit at the end of the current turn, mm. which makes you 
basically Bloodborne, which <laughs> is actually fucking cool because yes. you've got your weapon in one hand, your one-handed crossbow in the other hand, and you're just like, parry, shoot, you know, yeah, deal damage, you know, and I love the combat in Bloodborne so mm. much more because of that, the guns and stuff like that added into it. So if you're a big fan of that, this is probably a way. And then the way of the brush, you gain a proficiency with your choice of calligrapher supplies or painting supplies, which is very cool. And again, flavor. Flavor, and it gets that you know, additional, like, what do they do in their downtime? But yeah, I feel like, again, the Kensai shot, literally, as you said, like, it would be very cool to it just level a little bit. Mm. I don't know about yourself when you're playing these games. The Kensai weapons of choosing another one, I tend to stick to, like, because I'm just very boring, I stick to, like, one weapon to be honest it's very true i and even in most things like video games everything like that i'm very much like i found myself the thing that works for me and then if you get something that's better you then reattune to that so that's the only thing i'd say is that when you get another weapon you can retune to it that's the only i don't know again patch of the blade sort of stuff yes exactly Patch of the blade the blade always changes to whatever magical you just absorb the magical weapon that you've got don't mm. you mm. and then it converts to whatever blade but i know kim richards in high rollers Erois had this. Mm. Tiangon was the name of her blade, which was mm. her patron. But she was way of the toe, but whatever. I think there was way of the toe, but patch of the blade. And the blade pact meant that whenever she wanted to have like a magical property, she found a, a sword that had a hammer in it that had um, heat metal. It would cast mm. heat metal whenever you attacked. And so she could absorb that ability into the blade that she always yes. has. So I would argue that maybe that this is why it probably yeah. needs to be more magical, is that you maybe mm. choose your weapon of choice. But if you ever find something cooler you imbue that energy. We've already got in the monks this idea of artistry being put in there because you get proficiencies in yes. artist tools or something. I can't remember. Something like that. You yeah. do already get one or it says to choose one. But I think what if you got proficiency in making stuff? I can't remember what the tool would be, but like making weapons. Like smithing. Smith tools, yeah. So mm. because maybe you have this ability yeah. to forge your blade and it's about forging mm. the blade. And in that, if you ever find something of power, you know, you know, using your key, you can spend eight hours overnight or an attunement slot time yeah. to forge, like remelt down your blade or yeah. your axe and then imbue it with the magical properties or the runic symbols of the other blade mm. to transfer its essence over to your chosen blade or something like that. Yeah. Add all this flavor to this sort mm. of like idea of craft which definitely comes into monks but also in yes. a way that is so much more thematic to this it definitely feels very animated what you described there that idea of almost like the, you know the you suddenly you just get a whole melting down of various different blades that you've just collected and you just get bigger and bigger and bigger like proper like cloud sword-esque you know yeah. and just big size adding material slots <laughs> yeah exactly no i i love that next up is one with the blade so yeah. level six you extend your key into your kensai weapons granting you the following benefits so you got magic kensai weapons your attacks count as magical for the purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity which makes sense because i think roughly around this point your fists also become magical as well and then death strike you spend one key point to cause the weapon to deal extra damage to a target equal to your martial arts die, but you can only do this once per turn. Great. Nice, like that. Yeah, and obviously that really goes up, that scales up as well as you go up further and further at the levels. The next level is sharpen the blade, which is 11th level, you gain the ability to augment your weapons further with your key. So as a bonus action, you can expend up to three key points to grant one of those weapons a bonus to its attack and damage rolls. The bonus equals the number of key points you spend. So this lasts for one minute or until mm. you use this feature again, which I think is great because one minute is 10 rounds of combat. It's a long time. That means what's the point in having a plus three weapon? Because I can have a plus three weapon now yeah. for three key points. And that is great. And that overcomes that idea. Mm -hmm. I do like 
more of this sort of pact, this way of the blade way of doing it. Yeah. And maybe you could make this something else about stacking your martial die in, yes. in a different way mm-hmm. and allowing you to get magical weapons, or you can do one or other. I wonder again, being very tricksy, would you go up to like five key points just because of that, that yeah. final that uh, final one we had in the last one, which was ten d whatever's you know you spent yeah. 10 key points i would just think up to five would be just a really because we don't have plus five weapons up to, we only go up to mm. plus three i was just like fuck it just give them a, give them a plus yeah. five and you know because it's it, it's basically because it, you race through your key points at that point you know yeah. it's about using the, the resources on that so but the thing is you could have your weapon could be a plus three sword and then you've got plus three on top of that so we yeah. could actually stack that's true it doesn't that take stack, so you could true. make that plus six but i agree maybe i know maybe, maybe i'm just asking for too much because uh, i'm just no, like I, more. I, no always more more i think it's better uh, you want to be cool i think the last one you know does make it cool which 17th level grants you extraordinary accuracy it's called unnerving accuracy if you miss with an attack roll using a monk weapon on your turn you can re-roll it you can use this once per turn yes which means you've got advantage you've got luck once per turn which yeah. is basically what they should have just given to the drunken master as we said again because mm-hmm. obviously clearly it's, it's balanceable here and then the final one of Xanathar's Guide to Everything subclasses is The Way of the Sun Soul. Mm. We've talked about the Avatar version of Four Elements uh, in the previous episode, but this is like the power of the sun, just being able to mm. pull it. So yes, the monks of the way of the sun soul. <laughs> uh, learns- it's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> It is a bit like bah, 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 bah. learn to channel their life energy into searing bolts of light. I can imagine this being incredibly cool, almost like Mortal Kombat style, just running around yeah. an arena. You un- unleash this light shed by the soul of every living creature. You're like, whoa, pretty intense. I just see the imagery of it, it's just very, very cool. So at level three, you get radiant sun bolt, so you can hurl searing bolts of magical radiance. You gain a new attack option when you use the attack action. It's a ranged spell attack with a range of 30 feet. You're proficient with it, thankfully. That would be really awkward if you're like, ha, 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 ha. It's like putting this bolt back and forth between you. Add your dexterity modifier to the attack and damage rolls. Damage is radiant. At level three, you're getting a radiant damage. That's pretty, pretty sick. The damage is only a d4. But it changes as you gain monk's levels as shown on your martial arts column. The monk, the sort of martial arts die. So I, yeah, I'm like, okay, that totally makes sense. It's not always going to be at a D4. When you take the attack option on your turn and use a special attack as part of it, you spend one key point to make a special attack twice as a bonus action. So throwing two of these little bolts, mm-hmm. essentially, at people. And then when you gain the extra attack feature, the special attack can be used for any of the attacks you make as part of the attack action. So you could just do a general sort of like weapon or something and then like bolt, bolt, you know, just like... yeah. Pretty good. Pretty freaking good. Yeah, I really like it. Sixth level, Searing Arc Strike. You gain the ability to channel your key into searing waves of energy immediately after you take the attack action. On your turn, you can spend two key points to cast Burning Hand Spell as a bonus action. You hold your hands, touching fingers spread. A thin sheet of flame shoots forth from your outstretched fingertips. Each creature with a 15-foot cone must make a deck saving throw. Creature takes 3d6 fire damage on a failed save or a half on the thing. The fire ignites any flammable objects in the area that aren't being worn or carried. It's not bad. As just a as a bonus action, just 3d6 damage to anything in 15 cone. Yeah, and then you spend additional key points to go make it go up a level. So if you, again, that's yes. not something, if you just go up and then you're just like, actually, there's always like uh, minions behind me. I'm just going to turn around and just like blast them in a cone of fire, just at, at the, one of the highest levels you can do. But it says that here, so the maximum number of key points is two plus any additional points is equal to half your monk level. So in total, I think 10 if you're doing it at level 10. Yeah. yeah, just like, wow. Pretty good. Pretty sick. To me, I'm like, just everything's on fire in my mind when I'm looking at this particular class. Fire. <laughs> 
11th level searing sunburst, you gain the ability an orb of light. I'm just thinking of Ransengan, just pulling the, uh, Naruto when he gets makes his little Ransengan yeah. uh, that erupts into a devastating explosion. Even though that is actually a wind elemental thing, I know I'm, I know this, but I'm just saying. <laughs> um, as an action, you magically create an orb and hurl it at a point you choose in 150 feet, where it erupts into a sphere of radiant light for a brief but deadly instant. Mm. Each creature in a 20 foot radius sphere must succeed on a con save or take 2d6 radiant damage. Creature doesn't need to make the save if it's behind total cover. That is opaque. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. You can increase the sphere's damage by spending key points. Each point you spend to a maximum of three increases damage by 2d6, so a maximum of 66 damage. Which is not a lot, but it's something. But it's 20 foot radius, which means there could be a couple of people you can capture in that, which is kind of... Yeah, that's 40 foot diameter of this yeah. sphere, which is amazing. Yeah. For me, it feels like a, almost like a very watered down version of Fireball to an extent. Yeah. Because, you know, you've got the range of it, like 150 feet, that's pretty good. It's something to just like explode like on a group that's waiting to ambush you or just, uh, you know, at a camp perhaps. Using the key again to just max the damage out. So again, it could be a really good ambushing type spell or just like a yeah it's once mm. doing a surprise round I thought no it's a really good shout actually to be honest just like bosh and then finally at level 17 you have sun shield uh, you become reefed in a luminous magical aura oh. Oh. you shed a bright light in a 30 foot radius and dim light for an extra 30 feet you can extinguish or restore this light as a bonus action because you'd be like oh sorry turn off if a creature hits you with a melee attack whilst the light shines, you can use your reaction to deal radiant damage to the creature. It is five equal to your wisdom modifier. So that you have an aura effect, which not many player characters are able to do. And that's pretty, no, that's pretty, pretty good. good. I love that. This whole class makes me think of maybe not an exact like for like comparison, but like Phoenix from X-Men, uh, the Jean yeah. Grey's alternate thing. It's just like, like she's, she's just boiling hot but she's not I'm a fire elemental or anything like that it's just her rage and her anger so maybe that's something I would put into here because it doesn't talk about emotions per se in this one I think mean, again not to put my own emotions on this but I feel like if you're holding like bits of fire and you're using that life force energy I think it's not a peaceful action mm. so I wonder maybe having that anger or aggression mm. in there somewhat again you know your mileage may vary but I just think that'd be interesting reminds me though of what I was expecting when I read this to what mm. I didn't get and I, you just remind me of it when I was thinking about it from a while ago was that I was expecting it to you to lose hit points in this. The way it was written, I was expecting mm. you use your life energy. I thought you're going to be yeah. doing some serious cool shit, but it's going to be hurting you. And it never mm. did that. I kept waiting for it and it never happened. I don't know if you picked that up and maybe it was just me, but it's just the way I read it. I think that's a good point because obviously we talked about it before was the way D&D is going forward. It doesn't want to do negative things. Mm. But what we quite like is that we don't mind the negative if we're got the risk and the chance of doing something more so like obviously great weapon yeah. master they're changing that completely so you don't have a negative but also thinking of like the bard of tragedy you know yeah i wonder because it's got these restrictions on of like you can only use up to three key points or something and it says well you could use more but you have to take some sort of hit points yeah. of damage I'd like that. yeah you know just to because you are breaking the game so it's mm. like this is a risk mm. so maybe it's a saving throw with disadvantage or maybe it's that like you take however many levels of like you just you... take 3d6 to give 3d6 it's like that's it you know you yeah. just you, you roll whatever you take you give because it's literally like you're burning energy mm. i guess it's tricky because like again in the class features it's like oh you're so serene your body is this that and the other so perhaps it gets resistant a little bit but i i do i do like the idea of it so we're moving on to tasha's now and they here yes. we have two classes uh subclasses mm. that we could use for monks we've got the way of mercy and the way of the astral self 
Let's do the fun one first. Let's do mercy. <laughs> the reason I said this is because you very aptly talked about this, this idea of medicine and like mm. body stuff last time. And this is what this class is kind of about. We, yeah, we mentioned it briefly last week, didn't we? You said it does come up yes. in this one. Monks of the Way of Mercy, they learn to manipulate the life force of others to bring aid to those in need. They are wandering physicians to the poor and the hurt. Those who follow the Way of Mercy might be members of a religious order, administrating to the needy and making grim choices rooted in reality rather than idealism. They are the masked bringers of macabre mercies. Tasha's does such a lot more effort in like, here's what they are like compared to the yeah. other, the ones before. Yeah. And I think what I like about this is that I think compared to the long death, which it feels a little bit like maybe selfish, perhaps all the abilities are like, oh, if you drop to zero hit points, you spend mm. a key point, you come back up. Here, it feels a bit more communal, your thing, it's from the way it sort of talks about giving medicine and this idea again in that first one the influence of mercy the the cool sort of flavor something is you get a cool death mask that you can wear so instantly you're like oh this is percy from critical role uh, exactly that's exactly uh. what it is isn't it the raven mask or like yeah your doctor's plague mask or a skull that's just lovely isn't it merciful that's a merciful mask you just picked it up cheap from the shops but i think this is what I find interesting is because ultimately, you know, as, as much as we love obviously the NHS and the, and the doctors and stuff like that, they are kind of neutral, really. Like, you know, they, they yeah. bring good news, but they also bring bad news. So this idea that you, are, I feel like these, any character playing this is probably of a neutral alignment, yeah. even though you're trying to help people. And I just think all the others I can easily see like, oh yeah, this maybe is more chaotic perhaps, or this is definitely good in question marks. Here you could definitely be like, oh, a way of mercy, but play it a little bit more mm. conniving, maybe a bit more nefarious or play it more good, but you well, maybe it changes from day to day. You know, you want to bring people back, but you can't because you this is their time, etc. But maybe you do the AI gone wrong thing, which is you think you're doing mercy because the world's dying. And so you kill everyone yeah. because you're like, the world is dying. And the only way for the world to survive is if we depopulate or something like that, which is a classic AI trick. Mm. You know, that could be the way you yeah. bring it to an evil alignment uh, if you wanted to. <laughs> I don't know if you want to. Misguided but, agenda. But misguided agenda, exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so going back to the influence of mercy, it's at level three. You just gain proficiency in the insight and medicine skills, which is something that you were looking at before. You also gain proficiency in the herbalism kit, fine. And then yeah, you get the special mask. As you sort of said, there's one of ravens, uh, there's one of uh, a crying visage, and there's one of a laughing visage, almost like a theatre-esque type one. Mm. I'd love it to have a laughing visage and be like, it's actually like a clown doctor. You know, one of those terrifying, yeah, your face. Like in that. Bojack Horseman, clown dentist. Yeah, clown dentist, exactly. <laughs> or even have like there's one that's just a butterfly mask which makes me think of you know face painting you just painted a butterfly yeah, yeah. Mask. I'm very sorry to tell you that um, you only have a couple of hours to live and it's just like this beautiful butterfly that's just on your face I don't Winkling. know yeah yeah there's no way to cut this cake it's creepy <laughs> that's all it is <laughs> basically Fiona's already made a character yeah I will say this is my favourite subclass absolutely no shit <laughs> hand of healing third level as your mystical touch can mend wounds as an action you can spend one key point to touch creature and restore a number of hit points equal to a roll of your martial arts die plus your wisdom modifier yeah. when you use your flurry of blows you can replace one of the unarmed strikes with the use of this feature without spending a key point for the healing which I think is pretty that's cool that's so cool something we said felt like it was missing from some of the other ones and something that you should be able to do as a baseline but then on top of that you have hand of harm so one when one gives and one gives away so when you hit a creature yeah. with an unarmed strike you can spend one key point to deal necrotic damage equal to one roll of your martial die plus your wisdom you can only use this feature once per turn so you can't constantly keep hitting him like he's already dead 
scared. You can't do that. Yeah, I just thought that's it is such a cool thing that one hand is healing and one hand is necrotic. Again, it comes back to that long death thing as well, thinking about the radiant damage as well. I think that's maybe what was missing from the long death. Now I've got Mr. Garrison. <laughs> from South Park. <laughs> what's, his, yeah, what's his little hand puppet called? It's called Mr. Hat. Mr. Hat, that's it, yeah. Oh, Mr. Hat, he don't like you. He's going to harm you now. You know, it's kind of like you've already got your freaky clown mask on. Then you've got your hand with this oh, like man. puppet on it. Is it harm or is it hailing? What's that, Mr. <laughs> Flipple? Oh, we can't do that. We clear up all the mess. That's the misguided one, isn't it? This is your like, oh, no, oh, he doesn't like it. It's kind of so, so creepy. This is a, yeah, you've, we've changed what is a really cool like... It's into like silly, it's like some really creepy puppets. person with sock puppets. We didn't think we'd go here in this episode. We have both made monks and ruined monks. Yes. Yeah. Then you have at level six, a physician's touch. Yeah. You can administer even greater cures with a touch. And if you feel it's necessary, use your knowledge to cause harm. So when you use your hand of healing on a creature, you can also end one disease or one of the following conditions of blinded, deafened, paralyzed poisoned or stunned but if you use the hand of harm you can subject that creature to the poison condition to the end of your next term so i think i do think that's all right you could go for a preacher now couldn't you, you could think of a preacher who's like mm. i heal you yeah. <laughs> sort of like I really take it like away. yes yeah take it away exactly. i could just imagine there's an argument for you like well why can't we do like blinded and deafened on a character giving it but maybe that's straying into like mm. Mm, that's a bit it could be a bit icky perhaps in terms of like lines and veils and stuff but a stunned one well, I don't know. You just think because you do that in stunning strike, don't you? So it kind of feels yeah, like I you think could stunning's just already it. happened, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, I think the poison condition is good. It's a good one. I think that's great on that front. It's continuous as well. Then you get flurry of healing and harm. Heal, 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 heal. It's just like running. You could just see them. Everyone stand in line. I'm gonna run down the the thing. Just like you're healed. You're healed. You're healed. You're healed. You're healed. Dave, I'm sorry. You're harmed. Heal. 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 High fiving your way across. Exactly. Yeah. When you use Gloria blows, you now replace each of the unarmed strike with a use of your healing hand without spending key points for the healing. Amazing. So yeah. So you're just literally you might be doing a quick attack and then you're like to me and then just like. I think people are back going, good job, good job, good, good job. job. Good job, yeah. Good game, good game, good, good game. Good game, good game, yeah. And then if you use Hand of Harm with that strike, you do it without uh, spending a key point, but you could still only use it once per turn because otherwise it is pretty much like death to everyone, like just like yeah. smacking people's faces. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just thinking about the, you remember the craze of happy slapping back in the day that people were just recording? I don't know. That's what I feel now with, with this particular monk. I feel like it seems a bit silly. It's not the same, but it's fine. I think maybe tw maybe twice a turn but i just think you just do it well i don't know but it's that level I 11 that's the thing i guess i've got like another way to play this character right yeah. which is you act like the hand has its like a mind of its own mm. okay mm -hmm. but the only way you figure out if it's going to be heal or harm is you have to do like rock paper scissors against the dm if you win you get to choose if you don't the dm it gets to be whatever you, you say what you want to do so you say <gasps> i want to heal and you go rock paper scissors if you lose it does the opposite if you win you get it i really like that Anything like that where you get to play with a, like a different game yeah. within the game, 100%. Finally, at level 17, you get the hand of ultimate mercy. I have ultimate mercy. <laughs> yeah, this is sort of a downbeat on that thing. Yeah. Your mastery of life energy opens the door to the ultimate mercy. So as an action, you can touch a corpse of a creature that has died in the last 24 hours and expend five key points. They return to life, regaining a number of hit points equal to 4d10 plus your wisdom modifier. If it died while subject to any of the following conditions, it rev revives them with it being removed. But you can only do this once per long rest. How cool is that? That is 
that is a really great revivify spell. You know, that is really good. Even incarnation, there's a, the chance that you come back as someone else that changes mm. stuff. And also there's the cost components as well. So And five key points at level 17 as well. You've got quite a few of them. So it's it's not yeah. bad. I think and as an action, just bringing them back in, in battle, you're like not today, like slam. Not today. Go, go, go. Maybe you need the like... <gasps> yeah, yeah, the ECG like... <laughs> You know, what I like about it is that we've come up with such a range of different ways to play these masks. And I think that it just shows how diverse the characters can be. So like the way that they've made so many different types of actual subclass that kind of span so many actual different facets of like Mm -hmm. just gameplay Mm -hmm. mechanics. I think just underlying a monk to make any sort of type of character is really fun. And, you know, it's like we found out in Dragon's Duel a lot was that, you know, even if you have a really bad gill for the actual skill you need, there's always a subclass in most classes yes. which you can you can make a blade singer if you've got good strength and a wizard, but you've got terrible intelligence. Mm-hmm. You can you can run a blade singer, mm-hmm. or you've got a really high intelligence rogue with no decks. You can arcane trickster it, for example. Yeah. And with this, it's kind of like well, there's so many different types of play in this in a monk that yeah, there's a similarity in the fence that you've got a point management system a bit like uh, sorcerer, and it is martial consistently, mm-hmm. but on that, it's like, well, do you want to be martial, but you're also dealing loads more damage? Do you want to be martial and a bit creepy? Do you want to be martial and a bit spooky? Do you want to be martial and a bit <laughs> healy? Do you want to be martial and all about but druidic? Do you know do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's so many different ways aspects to it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the ones that we've done that I've kind of come to and been surprised by consistently. The one thing I'd say is that I think all these subclasses, there's been something in every one of them, even if I thought like one yeah. of them's been a bit, maybe not as good as the others because it doesn't appeal to me. I've gone, oh, actually all of this, yeah. is there's something for it. Well, it's not one where I'm like, why would I ever play this class? And yeah. that's what I'm sort of going up for. That said, we're about to come to the way of the astral self, which is fine. I definitely think it's that sort of like very stereotypical meditation going beyond yourself. It's the the great old one or, or whoever it is. I can't remember their name, unfortunately, mm. in um, Doctor Strange, that idea of like connecting to different versions of themselves. So they believe that their body is an illusion and that key... The ancient one? The ancient one, thank you, yes. The great old one's Cthulhu. So that, I yeah. mean, I don't know, spoilers Similar. for the, the Doctor Strange, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> their key is representative of their true form, which is the astral self. The capacity to be a force of order or disorder. Yeah, and there's quite a lot to it. There's some nice things about the fact that the astral self that you envisage doesn't have to be a representation of the physical body of yeah. your character. And talks about, you know, a lanky human having a minotaur as his astral self because he feels the strength within, or an orc having a delicate visage and gossamer thin arms because it's about the gentle beauty of their soul, which I think yeah. is a really lovely little piece to add to it. You get some fun things. The arms of the astral self, which you get third level, you must if your key allows you to summon a portion of it. As a bonus action, you can spend a key point to summon the arms of your astral self. When you do so, each creature of your choice that you can see within 10 feet pretty big. must make a deck save or take force damage equal to two rolls of your astral arts die, which nice. is quite a lot. Yeah. For 10 minutes, these spectral arms hover near your shoulders and surround your arms. You determine their appearance. They vanish early if you're incapacitated or die. While the special arms are present, you gain the following benefits. You can use your wisdom modifier in place of your strength modifier when mm. making strength checks and strength save rows. Again, proving that there is always a subclass for whatever stats you got, because you can build this as a wisdom build, not a strength build yeah, now, yeah. which is mm-hmm. interesting. You can use your special arms to make unarmed strikes. When you make an unarmed strike with the arms in your turn, you reach for it is five feet greater than normal, which is great. And your unarmed strikes make you, with the arms you use for wisdom modifier in place of strength or dex modifier for the attack and damage rolls. Again, just allowing you to build your wisdom build. And 
that's it. And they, they're around for 10 minutes, which is 100 rounds of combat. You just need to use one key point mm. every time you want to have a fight. Yeah. And you've got a wisdom build based monk, which I think is kind of cool. And the damage is force damage as well. Which, which again, nothing is resistant to, yeah. basically. How cool is that? Exactly. Yeah. At third level. And yeah. you've got a 10 foot range, pretty much. Again, I'm feeling very sort of anime here. There's just, again, that sort of power pushing people out and stuff. I guess the only thing I'd say with this is that if you've got it around for 10 minutes, that's really cool. But that indicates to me that you would maybe use these arms to mm. do stuff out of combat, perhaps. Um, so, and there isn't anything specifically saying about that, that maybe you get advantages on climb checks or yeah. going up a rope. I, I don't know. It just That's the yeah. only thing I'd say is that certainly the arms uh, is definitely sort of a, a combat thing. I just thought, yeah. well, if you've got them around for 10 minutes, that's a long time, yeah. especially at level three as well. Maybe it's a, it should be a minute and then 10 minutes later. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think because then you could use it also for like out of combat things with the 10 minutes because one yeah. minute, not many things go over 10 rounds of combat anyway. So why not make exactly. it a long enough period that you could maybe use them as like oh i want to climb this wall or i want to do something i want to grab you know i can reach now 10 foot i can and, i can go up a whole story with my arms yeah. sort of thing pull me up sorry it does say you can use your wisdom modifier in place of your strength modifier when making strength checks and saving throws i just wonder maybe you just get advantage on those instead yeah i think the wisdom modifier those just i find it's an interesting i just like the alternate way of the build really that's kind mm. of a thing but yeah i think you're right you could either do one or one or the I other I yeah think. i mean ultimately you're still getting to use those uh, on checks mm. and, and stuff so that makes sense if you want to go down that sort of inside feed you wisdom's are really great for saving throws as well yeah. because having that so much more important than some other ones dex is always very good as well but if you mm. were just going for more of a dex wisdom build than a dex strength build or something like that i don't know it's kind of allows you more flexibility mm -hmm. what it does make me think of though that i think you could reflavor it and thinking back to the kensai mm -hmm. was that it makes you think of like the awesome blades that you see in anime like there are mm. some where they're like really extending blades or like yeah. magical blades or like I'm thinking of bleep where you have your like hollow and stuff. I, I don't know. There were kind of different things along those lines or like Dark Souls where you've got or Bloodborne when you've got like blades that get bigger. You have like a bigger version of your blade. You have mm. a blade. There's the Kirkenhammer is my favorite one, which is like a blade. Yeah. And then you kind of like and you turn it into a huge hammer that you can like whack people with. And then it slides down and becomes just a sword, which is very cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. You could take all the same stuff get rid of the wisdom if you don't want to or yeah. say that the wisdom is because it's a magical weapon effect and you're imbuing your weapon mm -hmm. with magic and you're utilizing your wisdom in this sort of like ascended form of a weapon do you know yeah. what i mean so it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. you've got a blade and it can do hit five feet but then you go ultimate super magic blade <laughs> and it's like i've now got the cloud strife blade i've now got 10 foot range and i'm just like you know hitting everything and i think that's kind of cool Yes. As a way, and it does force damage uh, yeah. instead of your thing. And I think that could just be kind of like, I just think that was my only other way of building it. Then moving on to the uh, visage of the astral self. So this is where you can summon a visage of yourself as a bonus action or as part of a bonus action you take to activate the arm. So this is building on the arms of the astral self. You can spend one key point to summon this visage for 10 minutes. It vanishes early if you are incapacitated or die. It covers your face like a helm or a mask and mm -hmm. you get the following benefits, which is astral sight, which means you can see normally in darkness, both magical and non-magical to a distance of 120 feet. Pretty good. Wisdom of spirits, you have advantage on uh, wisdom, insight, and charisma intimidation checks because yeah, yeah, you just you just appeared with massive uh, f off arms and a huge like almost helm on your face. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man, and that is terrifying in itself. That's yeah, no wonder you get an advantage on intimidation checks. 
And then finally, you get word of spirit in the, as part of this feature. So when you speak, you can direct your words to a creature of your choice that you can see within 60 feet of you, making it so only that creature can hear you. Alternatively, amplify your voice so that all creatures within 600 feet of you can hear you. It's a nice, cool little role play thing. They don't get to speak back to you. It's not like message. It's not like a sending or anything like that. It's just that you could whisper someone. So you could be directing yeah. people around the battlefield. But also, I love the idea is like I could be team distraction force by going in booming and like mm. 600 feet, like come to me, you know, like just look at me, et cetera. But I think you've got intimidation checks. I would say you could be like, we're going to kill you. <laughs> To the enemy, do you know it's what I mean? Like to the ASMR enemy, it's like threats. You yeah, you can't do it. You you won't be able to hit. You just just give up. You just give up. You know like that. Don't bother. It's not worth it. They're not worth it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you could be doing that, and then saying, "Can I use that feature?" And then at that time, and my main action is intimidating, and I get advantage mm. on those. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I get advantage on intimidation checks. I want them to be intimidated by me. And therefore, so uh, I think that's kind of fine. And then body of the astral self at level 11. So when you have both your astral arms and visage summon, you can also cause the body of your astral self to appear. No action required. It just covers your physical form like a suit of armor. Basically, you're just, again, building up on these the arms, the, vis the visage, and then now the body. You gain the following benefits. Deflect energy. So when you take cold Acid, cold, fire, force, lightning, or thunder damage. So yeah, you get force damage in there as well. You can use a reaction to deflect it when you do so. You It's basically like almost like that catching missiles one. Uh, deflect missiles, which is 1d10 plus your wisdom modifier reduction to 1, which is pretty cool. Just like basically neoing like no and just having the acid or the, the force damage, all that sort of thing just stop or dissipate yeah. in the air. Pretty cool. And then you also get empowered arms once on each of your turns when you hit a target with your arms from that first sort of level. You can deal extra damage essentially, which is equal to your martial die, just empowering them up, up, up and up. So what this is making me also think of, because I've been writing a script for a video I was going to do on my Warhammer channel, which is mm -hmm. about how can you role play Warhammer? Mm -hmm. And what this made me think of is I was trying to think of like, d and so, yeah, I said there were so many things, but I might actually pick this one out particularly to mm -hmm. mention Say you wanted to be playing someone who is being afflicted by demonic possession, like mm. in that game, you're being warped by chaos. So you, it's not mm. possession, it's actually you just get warped, become demonic mm. by the warp energies and you've been farting about with the warp because what that's the astral self for Warhammer. Yeah. And so what you're gaining is you're, you're not gaining these astral arms, your arms are just growing additional limbs. Whoa. You know, you've just grown this extra demonic hand that holds this like fiery blade. And then your face just becomes this warped vision of like yeah. demonic face that's just like moves without you moving, whispering to them with these demonic words and you're able to like intimidate them and read their insight you know yeah. you can you can flavor it and your sight is you can see through magical darkness because you are a demon now and then later give me all this energy i will take your energy and i will bring it back on you i will deflect it and then empowered oh. arms is just like your arms now have got like these huge claws that have come mm. out and they're like dripping with demon ichor sorry <laughs> it's just getting dark no. but you can feel like this is very cool and thematic, but you could flavor this like you're being empowered with some sort of other energy. Be that radiant, you want to be like mm. becoming angelic, or you could be becoming demonic or devilish, or make it that you're becoming more bestial. You could play this as a form of werewolf transformation. Mm. You could like, but you're losing yourself to the beast in that form of. I've been reading up on Vampire the Masquerade, so that beast mechanic in it where you start to you get lost to the beast so maybe in that yeah. sense that you're like a vampire or you're a 
oni or something of the you know ilk that you want to turn transform into mm. you could you could do that as yeah. a way of this and maybe the key points you have no choice in it maybe you don't you mm. have to use that key point because you're losing yourself yeah it's a constant sort of battle between you who is in control very much yeah. like dr jekyll mr hyde type thing perhaps I've done this quite a bit with the hand like you know they've all got a bit dark i'm sorry but it's no, i'm, I'm no, hanging no. out with fiona too much that's the problem <laughs> again it could make for a really interesting because before i like i said before i felt like oh this is more reflective maybe just like i'm of a higher self but actually yeah. is it yeah. You is it or is it something else? So again, lines and veils, session zero is all about setting expectations, but that could be a really interesting one. I don't know if you've seen Bleach becoming a hollow. You know, you're mm. slowly becoming one, and so it overtakes you, and that kind of is where it kind of comes to my mind as well. So like, yeah, I feel make it darker if you want to. And then finally, you have level seventeen, awaken astral self. So your connection to your astral self is complete. Uh oh. <laughs> yes. Uh oh. Like level one hundred, uh, you allow yourself to unleash the full potential. So as a bonus action, you spend five key points to summon everything. Was it your astral self and awaken it for ten minutes? It only ends if you incapacitated or die, but you gain plus two to your armor class and an astral barrage. Whenever you use the extra attack feature to attack twice, you can instead attack three times if all the attacks are made with your astral arms. Yeah. Pretty cool. I feel like the armor of spirit plus two to armor class. I was like, yeah, I guess, but I wonder maybe having like a because you literally are bringing this mm. self to you. It's that absorbing uh, elements type thing from yeah. the deflect energy. I wonder if you just get an immunity to something. You heal off that energy. Yes. Oh, yeah. You don't take any damage. Mm. You just take, you can add that to yourself. Yeah. Or temporary hit points. Or... Yeah, temporary hit points. It's an interesting one. I think I, yeah, I out of the two of them, I do much prefer Mercy from Tasha's, but yeah. I do think after our discussion now, I'm like, oh, actually, we could really go into now like... Now I made it dark. That's why I feel it's like, hmm. Oh, but maybe, what about... I'm like the Tim Burton of things. Like, as yeah. it has to be a dark twist and maybe, maybe Johnny Depp turns up Johnny in it. Johnny Depp's in it, yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Let's move on to our penultimate subclass then from Fizzbands. Yay! Yeah, one of our favourite books. It's a great book. Highly recommend it. We're going to look at The Way of the Ascendant Dragon. Yes, the dragon god Bahamut is known to travel the material plane in the guise of a young monk. The legend says that he founded the first monastery of the Way of the Ascendant Dragon in this guise. The fundamental teaching of this tradition holds that by emulating dragons, a monk becomes a more integrated part of the world and its magic. By altering their spirit to resonate with draconic might, monks who follow this tradition augment their prowess in battle, bolster their allies, and can even soar through the air on draconic wings. Heck yes. Heck yeah. All this power is in service of a greater goal, achieving a spiritual unity with the essence of the material plane. So pretty cool i think in the later books like tasha does it uh, a little bit but certainly in fizzbands it talks about where the origin is it's got a great little origin table for where you know mm. how did you came by it which again i think we're big fans of just tables giving us more stuff to ways to think about and i think a, mm. a d6 is enough to, for us to get on with you've got stuff like a dragon personally took an active role in shaping your inner energy which i, I love is like just like good morning come out we're about to start training you're like who are you? And you go, we'll find out. Come climb, we'll, we'll fly and I will tell you all about you. You are the chosen one, etc. Yeah. All the way to like, you just find a scroll written in Draconic that contained inspiring new techniques. So I like that. Yet you're a fan from afar. Like You go and visit people who are ascendant dragon monks and you're like, oh yeah, me too. And they're like, how? Like, <laughs> you, you're not trained under us. And you're like, oh no, I just 
I did some breeding, so it's a little bit different. <laughs> I like it. I, I like the what I'd be like is that you grew up amongst dragons. They mm. try and teach you the ways of their like the way they learned to fight. They didn't know how to raise you, the sort of like jungle book style story, but with dragons. Mm. Yeah. And you learn to like fly with them. Just because I want <laughs> I want dragon friends. <laughs> Dragonic disciple. Third level. You can channel draconic power to magnify your presence and imbue your unarmed strikes with the essence of a dragon's breath. Mm. You gain the following benefits. So draconic presence gives you, if you fail a intimidation or persuasion check, you can use your reaction to re-roll as you tap into the mighty presence of dragons. Ah. You can use one per long rest once it has actually succeeded. So if it fails, you don't lose it. Uh, Draconic strike, you can imbue acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison damage. Uh, You can change your damage type to one of those, sorry. And mm-hmm. then the tongue of dragons is that you learn to speak, read, and write draconic or one other language of your choice. Nice. I do like that draconic presence, like only when it succeeds. So you're not like, oh, we'll yeah. waste. You know, certainly at such yeah, a, no, a, a, an early fair. level. I, I think more stuff should have that. I, I agree. Then you don't waste it. So, yeah, no, I, I quite like that. Breath of the dragon as well at third level, you can channel destructive waves of energy like those created by the dragons you emulate when you take the attack action on your turn. You could replace one of your attacks with an exhalation draconic energy in either a 20-foot cone or a 30-foot line that is five foot wide. Your choice. So mm. it's just like wah or bah, basically. Uh, choose a damage type, acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison. Mm. Each creature that must deck save against your key save DC mm-hmm. and taking damage of the chosen type equal to two rolls of your martial die pretty good on a fail save yeah a feature increases to three rolls of your martial die 11 mm. which is pretty good i also like how you can really customize the breath because that's it with certain dragons it is always like i think it's blue dragons because it's lightning breath but that's always going to be in a line yeah. five feet whereas here you could be like well i want it to be a cone instead yeah. i quite like the the changing between them you also get proficiency bonus number of times equal to that is how many times you can use it and if you have run out you can use two key points to use it again yeah you know, you're like oh, I'm, I'm running on low i'm gonna have to take yeah dragon fire breathing i mean pretty cool <laughs> so i really like this as a level three uh, ability well three feature 20 foot cone fire breath is Badass. And I know later on as well, it gets enhanced as well to be even like wider. Yeah. Oh, does it even get wider as well at 11? Later on, it does. Yeah. 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 The augment breath in level 17. Cool. So, what's next? What's at level six? Level six, we have wings unfurled. So, <gasps> when you use your step of the wind, you can unfurl spectral draconic wings from your back that vanish at the end of your turn. As a result, you have a flying speed equal to your walking speed. So it's at the end of your turn. So you, if you need to get somewhere quick, it is a really quick, fast get out one that you can fly over something. So like, if the battlefield is full of enemies and it's not like a way to get around them, so you can just try and fly over, etc. Because I think you will have like that featherfall thing as well eventually yeah. from your main class uh, and again you can use this a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and regain them all on the long rest i think the only thing i'd say is that because why not you've got the breath thing to be able to do two key points after you've used it all why not give them two key points and then you can just yeah i kind of agree know? with that as well it felt like it was lacking that one element of gave it for that i also think that one turn I don't know. Maybe to the end of your next turn, perhaps? I don't know. I don't know. I'd just say it lasts for a minute. I don't know. It's quite, I don't know, low level. I don't know. Yeah, do you get it more later, don't you, I think? It doesn't get any bigger. It doesn't last any time. I would say at least at like 10th level, you get it for a minute, and at 17th, you get it forever. You just get to use it once a day. 
for an hour or something. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that makes sense. You can just at will do that at level 20. Like you can fly, you're a dragon, come on. Yeah, you literally have just shed your human form and become yeah, exactly. a friend of Bahamut, you know. Because you might as well then just not do this and just be a druid. <laughs> Like, if you really want to be a dragon, yeah, be a druid, you know, like, it's cool and all, but <laughs> if that's your ultimate goal in this game... It's just polymorph and become a dragon, just essentially. true polymorph into a dragon, you know. Yeah. Or get your friend to be a druid who can true polymorph you into a dragon who is a way of ascendant dragon monk. Yeah. Perfect. That should be what it should be. You just at level 20, you are true polymorphed into a dragon if you so wish. Like you yeah. could take the choice. That's the the final right of the, of it. Is that yeah, you, just, you become dragon. Yeah, you just could become a dragon who has a human form, like Fizzbands, and you become a dragon. You can, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I'm imagining if you are a true polymorphed ancient dragon, you can then also have a humanoid presence because dragons mm. can take a humanoid form. Maybe that goes back to the epic levels that we talked about previously. Maybe you have to go go on some epic quest in order to. I think you just need a mate with true polymorph. That's literally all you need. That's all you need. Fair enough. I'm literally love it if you're playing a game and it's like I'm just I'm my character is this person, but I'm going to be playing this other character who's a druid. Now the reason is because all this character wants to do is be a dragon, <laughs> and I'm just bringing them along until I can make them a dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your actual character you want to be at level twenty or whenever yeah. you can get tree polymorph is mm -hmm. is just waiting at home. Okay, I'm and so, then I'm soon, soon. Yeah, and then the whole story is you being this druid who's just doing this for their mate. Like, I uh, make him really happy. It'll make him really happy. It'll make him really happy. Really care for them, and it's like oh, they've had a tough time, and I'm happy to help out i'm a druid you know i'm doing my business you know i'm here and that's your whole backstory is you're like your mate wants to be a true polymorph dragon you've seen those behind the scenes of like on the hobbit where there's benedict cumberbatch pretending to be smaug yeah that's why i imagine the person at back home is doing that's who my friend is that's yeah. who the friend is it's benedict cumberbatch. The weird kid in the playground come to the dm's book club for the weirdest suggestions for characters ever <laughs> Aspect of the worm as a level 11. Power of your draconic spirit now radiates from you, warding your allies and inspiring fear in your enemies. So for bonus action, you can create an aura of draconic power that radiates 10 feet from you from one minute. You get the following uh, effects. Frightful presence, which sort of expands a little bit. So you create this aura as a bonus action on subsequent turns. You can choose a creature in the aura. They must uh, succeed on a wisdom saving throw against your key save or become frightened for the minute. They can repeat it, obviously, at the end of each turn. Resistance, you can choose a damage type to when you activate this aura, so acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison, and you and your allies have resistance to that damage. So again, really going back into those aura effects as well. Once you create it, though, you can't do it again until you finish a long rest, unless you spend those key three key points to create it again. So again, using that uh, key points to be like, let's get it up again, we've got another fight going on. And I like the idea of using uh, auras not only as a damaging thing, uh, but also as a protective thing. I know paladins do that as well, with their like, auras of protection and all that sort of thing, or uh, anti-charm ones as well. And then finally, you have level 17 Ascendant Aspect. Uh, your Draconic Spirit reaches its peak. Your Augmented Breath, so your Breath of the Dragon, you can spend one key point to augment its shape and power. So this is where you can change the shape of it to be a 60-foot mm. cone or a 90-foot line. And then each creature in that area takes equal to four rolls of your Martial Arts die on a, on a failed save and half as much on a successful save. You get Blindsight out to 10 feet. And we know, you know that's pretty, pretty decent. And then you've got mm. Explosive Fury. When you activate your aspect of the worm, the draconic fury explodes from you. So you can choose any number of creatures you can see within the aura. And each of those creatures must succeed on a dexterity saving throw against your key save or take 3d10 acid, cold, fire, lightning or poison damage. As a pretty cool way to be like, here's three things you can do. And it augments, it's, again, builds up on what we've gone through before. Yeah, I really like it. I just think this should just give you wings then. 
I think that's all it's missing. I feel like the blind sight thing out to 10 feet. I feel, I don't know, I'd make it 30 feet, but maybe I'm just, maybe that's overpowering it way too much. I just feel like by the time you're level 20, you know when things are going around you because the dragons mm. can just sense. Maybe it's not, you're not supposed to be a dragon, even though that's what we're aiming for here. So yeah, it's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. I think it's a good one. I think it's a fun thematic one. I think if yeah. you want to be a dragon, just be a dragon. But if you don't want to be a dragon and you want to do this, this is fun because just breathing fire on people all day is pretty fun, I think, as a way to let out some of the anger of the day. Yeah, as a way to get rid of that frustration. <laughs> Finally, we've come to the end of our subclasses. Uh, we've got Way of the Cobalt Soul, which is from mm. the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. Bow. Bow, essentially. Yes, this is Critical Role's Monk, which sort of is really tied into the story, basically, of that second campaign. I feel for me personally that I really loved the tragedy bar that we looked at when Matt Messer did that. This is a very similar style yeah. in terms of flavoursome. Matt knows how to give things and be flavoursome. And yes. yeah, the only thing I don't like is the best respected and most heavily guarded repositories of tomes is a sentence I don't like to say. I don't like that wording. That's the only thing I was a bit annoyed about. Yeah, the Cobalt Soul is one of the best respected and most heavily guarded repositories of tomes, histories and information in all of Alexandria. It's just a way of writing. I found very yeah. hard to like intonate, to speak out loud. So that was all. But mm-hmm. people from the la- all the lands come to the library to seek knowledge. And those particularly dedicated to the virtues of truth often pledge their minds and bodies to the Cobalt Soul course. Again, I think I talked about it last time with monks. We're talking about like compared to paladins who are like here's the tenants of our order and it gives like a little short thing here it's like like when you become a member of the cobalt soul what is your purpose what are you doing and we've got it a little bit with the like the ways of mercy and the astral self a little bit but here it's just like you are giving yourself over to be on a quest to dedicate to unveiling uh life's mysteries and bring light to the secrets of concealed evil and guarding the most powerful and dangerous truths who unwholesome thirst for knowledge that might bring death and suffering to others so it's again this sort of secret sort of guardianship it's very again for the warhammer thing it's another one that came to mind is like the inquisition or, you know, like if you wanted to play those, you know, the sort of CIA, it's that sort of idea of like, we know the truth. You mm-hmm. know, the truth is out there, but we know it and you don't know it because we don't want you to know it. But also maybe you could, again, if you wanted to go down that sort of route, you could play the like corrupted by the evil that you learn, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. You know, there's loads of those stories in Warhammer of like Inquisitors who start, you know, we've got to fight mm-hmm. the demon. We have to be the demon. You know what I mean? To fight. We have to the, learn, the evil sort learn of their it's ways like, to do stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it says like the tenant of the cobalt soul, the body, the maxim, know your enemy. Through tireless research, they steal themselves against the unrelenting tides of emails. Evil. So like, it's like the unrelenting tides of emails. Sorry. That is evil. And I like this, like rigorous training. They learn to break their foes' mental and physical defenses. And then once the fight is done, they record their findings with future generations amongst the study <laughs> it's kind of like learn from my mistake yeah absolutely it's heavy training but also studying the ways of your enemy and maybe utilizing those ways as well to a certain extent or at least shielding others from those yeah. those evils and you get a couple of more additional uh, features in this class again i think matt's just very keen to give people things essentially yeah, very generous dm so at level three you get extract aspects which i think is pretty good when you hit a creature with one of the attacks granted by a flurry of blows, you can analyze it. And this means when you analyze it, you learn all of its damage vulnerabilities, damage resistances, damage immunities, and condition immunities, which I definitely, at level three, obviously, 
again, it's it's just confirming possibly uh, biases you might have. Like, oh, if it's a tree thing, it's probably vulnerable to fire, etc. But if you're up against something, you're like, I don't know what this is. I think it's just a way to help the people who maybe need that extra thing. Like, I keep hitting it, but it doesn't seem to be doing anything. It's a really good. I thought that was just yeah. a monk thing. I didn't realize it was particular to this, and I was like, wow. I thought so too. I thought it was a key point thing, and it's yeah, so I, yeah. good. It should. I would suggest this becomes baseline monk you know because i think extract aspects is a really it's so thematic to the monk and it's a really good feature and it's really helpful because sometimes you are just like ah oh, for fuck's sake it's immune to fire it's don't do any fire damage but it's resi- you know it's it um, can't be put prone all that sort of thing you know yeah. it can't be it can't be grappled all those yeah. sort of things save so many spell slots that you just waste on things like that a lot of the time mm. finding out so it's really good and on top of that as well any analyzed creature that misses you with an attack you can use your reaction to make an unarmed strike against it if it's within your reach yeah because you've analyzed it you can see its fighting patterns yeah so i love that again very thematic in the sense of like you're studying this creature mm. and you're like oh it's leaving its left flank open etc and then it comes to attack you goes yeah just like that you see and you just watch it sort of try and like the punch yeah. past you like oh God, you're keeping yourself wide open there mate you know? react <laughs> are so underutilized in D&D and every time they are they're really great so I yeah. as someone who's always come up with crazy ideas I tried to make a class that only had reactions only <laughs> acted on reactions and I think it could be really fun you know mm-hmm. like you're constantly just you never do anything you make it a monk which is always standing there and never takes the just always waits for you to attack and just mm-hmm. does moves out the way and hits you does the neo like watch the thing go past and do the punch you yeah. know that sort of thing like you said i was like oh is this not in the main class in the uh, class features and it's mm. not at all so yeah then to, to make it embolden that further you get extort truth which is yes. at sixth level Pricely strike a hidden cluster of nerves on a creature, temporarily preventing it from masking its true thoughts and intent. When mm. you hit a creature with an unarmed strike, you can spend one key point to force it to make a charisma saving throw. On a failed save, it is unable to speak a deliberate lie, and all charisma checks directed at the creature are made with advantage for up to 10 minutes. You know if it succeeded or failed on a saving throw. An affected creature is aware of the effect and can thus avoid answers questions to which it would normally respond with a lie. Yeah. Such a creature can be evasive in its answers as long as the effect lasts. Mm-hmm. If you wish to impose effects on a creature without injuring it, you can attack the creature to simply touch it, dealing no damage on a hit, which I think is great because if you just want to just be like the pinch the neck in the right position to sort of yeah. imbue this. And I love it because it, it's so thematic to the thing. It works so mm. well for Bo in, in the show. It's just sown of truth to a certain extent. It really, it's just it? a combative sort of truth. Um, um, but I, I do like it as well. It's like, it just makes it clear. Then you have also at level six, you've got mystical erudition. You have extensively studied the history and law within the archives of the Cobalt Soul. So firstly, you learn a language of your choice and then you gain a proficiency with one of the following skills. So arcana, history, investigation, nature and religion. If you already have proficiency with one of those other skills, you can instead choose to double your proficiency bonus for any ability check that uses that chosen proficiency. Amazing, getting expertise there. Mm. You can gain additional language and an additional skill proficiency from the above list, or... You could double it again. Or you could do it again and just, again. Yeah. Sorry, I completely uh, missed that last yeah. bit. So yeah, you can do it again at 11 and 17. So again, roleplay flavoring, but you are getting so Great. skilled because you're reading all the stuff. You're doing your Duolingo. You're getting through and you're learning Dwarvish at a, at a fast pace. Yo hablo español. Exactly. That's gnomish, right? Then you get at 11th level, Mind of Mercury. You've honed your awareness and reflexes through mental aptitude and pattern recognition. Once per turn, if you've already taken your reaction, you may spend one key point to take an additional reaction. You can only use one reaction per triggering effect, though. But still, really cool. Pretty good. Could be uh, grabbing javelins out of the air a number of times. Nope, nope. (laughs) Nope, 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 nope. 
And then um, you get your additional level of that mystical erudition before getting onto your debilitating barrage, which is what, Fiona? I think this is a cracking name for it. Like, yeah, already this I'm is like, great. This is, this is pretty yeah. cool. So you gain the knowledge of manipulating a creature's key to undermine their fortitude. When you hit a creature with an unarmed strike, you can spend three key points to cause the creature to gain vulnerability to one damage so type cool. of your choice for one minute. Or until the turn end of a turn in which it hasn't taken any damage of that it type. It has taken damage of that It type. has taken of that type. Sorry, my bad. If a creature has resistance to that damage type you choose, it is suppressed for a minute rather than gaining vulnerability. If it is immune, if that damage you choose is unaffected. And a creature who is affected by this feature cannot be affected again for 24 hours, but... Holy heck. I would love to make the immune resistance, though. That's the only thing yes. I would say, because I would. you just want that moment where it's like Fechner, and you're like, there's necrotic damaging it, it's not working, and then you well, you know that, and you see them casting it, and you're like, Fechner's like, what are you doing? <laughs> hey, hey, what's up, man? That's how we talk. What are you Fechner, doing? Right? <laughs> yeah. You're going to do power word kill on me, ain't going to work. And then you just do this to them, and you switch it, and they're like... <gasps> No, <laughs> you're you're ah. just god at this point, just yeah. switching things. I just exactly just playing with that. I think it's just such a fun thing. Like killing a fire dragon with fire is sort of silly, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's kind of mm-hmm. like there's the irony of it. Oh, the irony! Everything about it, it just feels so well put together, well thought out. Yeah. Like because it works well with that really well aspects, out. and you're like, okay, so we know this, and then it's the next turn, you're like, guess what? <laughs> like just yeah, really exactly. yeah really enjoyed that and then obviously finally we get final version of that erudition yeah erudition yes there we go we've done all eight of those other subclasses there is a lot of subclasses people love making monk classes yeah no wonder why because they are all pretty great we were treated quite well to like the open hand and the four elements uh mm. last time and then we're like well what else can we think of and then the door opened essentially and this wave of just very interesting ways of looking at monks that aren't necessarily like Avatar or maybe like Jedi, etc. So it just, it, I yeah, I, there's a lot to it. Mm. I Again, I know I'm going back to that way of mercy, but I'm like, that feels to me like such a cool roleplay thing that I'd like to look at. But equally, like the way of the Drunken Master, the Sun Soul, the Ascendant Dragon, mm. they feel different enough that I'm like, ooh, can I, what stories can we create with these particular monks? I think it's inherently obvious in what we've been saying the whole way through both of these episodes about... <laughs> the different ways you can play yeah. a monk it is just endless. And I think, I hope, it, hopefully it inspires some people to think about these, you know, take these things and also come up with your own ideas for how mm. you might reposition and purpose these abilities in different ways, because I think that's part of the fun of this yeah. uh, game. We're into New Game Plus era, I think, of D&D right now. 100%. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've all yeah. played it for, most people have played it now for quite a serious amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I find it weird even now myself when we're talking about these and I go, that's just like this spell and that's just like that thing. And <laughs> I know the stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I find it weird, I, but I also find it amazing. There's still things for me to learn from it, like these monk classes, which I've never yeah. really spent the time on mm. but i think everyone's in that end game now and i think we're looking for more from our games mm. i think it's time now for us all to level up you know i think in a certain way do you know what i mean like i think it's maybe yeah. it's just me but i feel like people are looking for a level up mm. if i was wizards that's something i would be thinking about for the mm. next phase of this cinematic mm. universe that is uh <laughs> D, which is that it should be like i think it's now time to start thinking about epic levels again like we yeah. talked about i think make those boons better let's start thinking about ways to help people from a DS point of view create characters and utilize mm. like give examples of like let's reflavor 
Mm. Let's take an existing six existing subclasses from each of the things, reflavor them in a different way, but use all mm. the same skill sets, but mm-hmm. talk about reflavoring things and making more narrative out of them. Like we've talked about before, like oops, all monks sort of thing. Here, there's no issue with you all having the same base skills and then just changing like trying yeah. different things out which would totally make sense if we were thinking going back to that sports team analogy like there's always someone that is say uh the team mom maybe that's a yeah. way of mercy monk but yeah. there's always like the wild child there's always the one that is like uh super into swords which could be the, the kensai one so it's yeah i like that exactly with the amount of subclasses we have now Oops all monks is not a boring thing. Oops all no. bards is not a boring Oops all rogues, you've got an arcane trickster, an yeah. assassin, and a thief. They're all doing something completely different. Or a, a mastermind, a swashbuckler, and an arcane mm. trickster. You know, they're all completely different yeah. aspects of the same. It's like basically Blades in the Dark, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's something else I've been looking at. And all these sorts of other smaller, lightweight systems where really they're playing with a much smaller pool of things. You get so much out of just mucking around with a couple of mm. tweaks here and there to make your particularly powered by apocalypse is making your move just theming your moves the mechanics are all the same you're rolling the same amount of d6 and hoping for the same number on those two d6 which mm. is a fail or a not a fail so games like that succeed if not thrive based on a mechanic that is so base yes do you know what i mean mm-hmm. that when you've got something like this well, you've got all these mechanics to play with in just monks. <laughs> Do you yeah, know what I yeah, mean? I know, yeah. You could just rename all those moves, basically, mm. and it's something completely different. So that's all I, I'm getting at, really. I think that's what it's made me yeah. be aware of, particularly with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, 11 traditions. It's just, whoa. Oh, Hamilton, thank you so much. I know we spent a long time going through the final eight stuff, but I feel like it felt good to, again, as we always do, do those separate, like yeah. look at the base stuff and then look at the more specialised stuff. So I very much appreciate And unlike our Ranger one, it wasn't rant, then more rant. <laughs> well, I mean, I was ranting, but in a positive yes, way. Yes, true. It wasn't, it wasn't anger and then aggression. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so to sign us off, uh, Hamilton, where can we find you on the internet? Any yeah. upcoming projects that we should know about? How's the Kickstarter going? Well, the Kickstarter has, has been finalised. It made... Nearly 10 grand, which is unbelievable, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. And so uh, the outpouring of love and the particularly for the art, which was, you know, nearly crying worthy. I'm not going to lie. You know, that is the emotional bit when you're just like people saying, can you put more of your art up? Because we want to buy it. And you're like, who are you? Where have you been all my life? <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, this is, it was so, that was so emotional. And it was just such a like, you know what it's like being a content creator. It's quite a lot of work and yeah. you don't get a lot back sometimes. And so no. when you get even, even not the money, it's the tool really, as I said, it's just the, it's, that's really literally got literally nothing to do with it. The actual fact is people bought the number of people that bought it yeah. and wanted it and were asking and talking about it passionately is what made my year so early in the year. On top of that, we are going to be doing something on uh, my Fuel by Chaos on, on my Warhammer uh, channel, which has also been doing very well this week, which is very weird. So I'm in a very positive mood at the moment. So, you mm-hmm. know, you've caught me at a good time, even though I've been talking about really dark things in, in our <laughs> monks thing. Uh, we're going to be doing a live actual play mm-hmm. of Warhammer fantasy role play yeah. with myself as GM and Taylor from Backwater Bastards and our creepy gal, Fiona. It's me. 
Oh, yay. Hello. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to be taking them through. Now, people who know Warhammer probably do know a place called Mordheim. It's a very famous mm-hmm. city uh, destroyed by a comet and is filled with warp stone and loads of mercenaries are all fighting over territory in it. So it's a fun little place to go investigate. The game originally that was Wardheim, which was like a little skirmish game based around Warhammer Fantasy, yeah. was very roleplay heavy in itself anyway. So we're not going to be playing the actual Mordheim game, but nope. we're going to be adapting that within Warhammer Fantasy roleplay and uh, enjoying that. So that's yeah. something that's coming out and that'll be on Thursdays yep. uh, on the channel on Thursday evenings. Time to be decided. I think, yes. it might, but we'll, we'll we'll leave that till then. <laughs> there'll be there'll be lots of notice about it. So exactly. Worry. Yeah, exciting for that. And I'm doing some more kit bashing because I I did a kit bashing. I love doing it, and I thought, well, I'll record this one, and then people are really liking it. So I'm gonna do more. And nice. I bought myself some really cool models. That I'm gonna be doing that. I did a little poll to see what people want to see first because mm-hmm. I've got a few things on my list that I need to do. That's the plan. Nice. What? Uh, what? What? Why? Why? When? Where? Where? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> it's not even a proper answer. I just don't know every time you say it. Uh, so my, what? My name is Fiona. She, her pronouns. Uh, I am part of uh, why? I don't know either. We're, we're getting there. Uh, when? Uh, it is currently three o'clock, uh, almost three o'clock. So we need to rush up to the end of this episode. Um, yeah. But where? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, where is a What Am I Rolling? A twice monthly tabletop RPG one shot podcast, which looks at different RPG systems. And we do some interviews with game designers and game uh, adjacent experts in the field. At time of recording, we have just released our interview with uh, Laurie O'Connell, who is a uh, great game designer in the uh, UK sphere, who has uh, just also had a Kickstarter funded recently on his game called Death Game, which is basically inspired by games such as Squid Game, Alice in Borderland, etc., where everyone Uh, around the table is doing these sort of like Hunger Games style uh, Mm. games. But it's not one GM. Basically, there's one of the cool main mechanics is that when your character dies, you take over running the game until you... uh, narrow it down to the final couple of people and then you see who wins from there so it's not necessarily adversarial it's more of a collaborative storytelling that's a really good idea other than that i am i'm an improviser i do some teaching as well Mm. hoping to do some more teaching online in the future i'm sure once i've figured all that out that'd be great Um, i'm also doing some uh secret recordings for stuff they sound really good by the way next week we'll have the start of women in gaming month at horde of tales which i'm running a game of vason or vason for which is good and that's going to be the pre-recent scenario of the Hampstead Heath group uh, very creatives and people going missing and it's like mm, this, this lady of the house doesn't seem on the level so it's all all fun stuff like that and Vason is a brilliant game in terms of like mixing sort of fae and folklore into like industrialization of the 1800s and how yeah. those things uh, don't always mash up and it's kind of like Sherlock Holmes meets horror in the sort of sense kind of how exactly, I was exactly exactly yeah. with hopefully minimal combat because you there is ways to almost like Undertale there's ways mm. to make it through without going straight to the killing blow etc and maybe that's not what people want either i've got the book right in front of me i've never read it it's so awful is it the same system base as like all the other free league base systems yes it is a very much the very basic basic version of the uh, year zero engine uh, there's no stress dice or anything like that it's just a pool of d6s you add your attribute and okay. skill put them together there's no stress mechanics in it at all or no anything like that. it is um, most straightforward of the oh, games so there's some other little bits and pieces but it's not like it's not like blade runner it's not like alien etc or like the one ring which has got the corruption mechanics exactly yeah exactly it's more about you come up with finding those clues about how what is 
uh, mm. haunting this place and like how do you find out like what's the ritual to banish it or to appease it in some way and that that's mm. the sort of clues that you get towards it so if, a little bit Brindlewood Bay in a sense of like you come up with maybe your own ritual and that's okay there's some really cool bits and certainly the uh, the beastry behind it is really really interesting and like mm. the different sort of folklore elements of it yeah. but you'll have to wait till it comes out on Horton Tales we do that live in March and yeah and then yeah just tootling along otherwise so just poodling on with this poodling on with where poodling along with all the other one shots yeah. we've got going on so yeah, i was gonna say you know, we do recommendations sometimes mm, yeah i was going to recommend quinn's quest which i know we put into yeah. our discord mm-hmm. uh, you know quinn from uh shop and sit down and people make games of which i've been binging a load of people made games because i right. hadn't caught up for them with no. them for such a long time so there was a lot that i hadn't i'd missed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. quinn's quest particularly is Quinn looking at role-playing games in a really great sort of mid-noughties, early like late 80s, early 90s, sorry, sort of like style. BBC early yeah. morning TV show. You know, yeah. it's got the great, it's got that perfect music. You know, it's it's a very fun, does it in the very shut up and sit down way. Yes. Because I've joined their Patreon and they've got oh. additional videos. And there's one about like rolling dice, which I know sounds really silly, but it's 10 ways to roll dice better. And there's stuff about telling GMs to like, you know, your GM screen that's hiding things. If you feel it's not like an important role, roll it in front of them. There's things about cups, using cup, like rolling in a cup and then holding it. And then you don't know if someone survived a death saving roll or not uh, until you go over and then look underneath their cup. Uh, yeah. That sort of thing. That I just was like, there's, I, yeah, I can highly recommend oh, checking cool. out all their stuff on that. Yeah, it's, it's very oh. different. Join their Patreon. Damn. Damn. <laughs> I might have to do it now. Sorry, Grant. Grant, how are you getting? Yeah, there is literally. I've got to because it's too. Otherwise, I made myself a limit. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us. And we hope to hear you. Hear you. We hope to listen. We hope to. We hope to see you. We don't say that. We, we never say, say that. What we do is we say, we'll see, see you, you on the flip, flip side. side. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye, 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 bye.